Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot, foot, will, foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all according to that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that the Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Mo Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that the Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. Let us pray. Almighty God, we ask that you take these ancient words that were spoken to Joshua and to your people, and we pray that you would speak to us this morning, granting us understanding and granting us application. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would equip us, that you would correct us, that you would strengthen us, that you would make us strong and courageous through hearing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Facing the unknown plus a little bit or a lot of uncertainty, plus memories of past failure will most likely, most likely produce fear. Even if you just have one of the three, if you have facing the unknown, that will most likely produce fear. If you have even a little bit of uncertainty about what you're to partake in, most likely will produce fear. Even if you just have memories of past failure, it'll most likely produce fear. I think all of us this morning have faced one of those three things, the unknown, uncertainty, or memories of past failure. And sometimes we've probably faced all three at the exact same time. And we know from that comes fear. Fear leads to anxiety, and anxiety leads to all sorts of weird stuff. 
not just mentally and emotionally, but also physically. Anxiety does weird stuff to our lives. At the root of anxiety is fear, afraid of what's going to happen or what's not going to happen. Fear causes us to do weird stuff. When people are fearful, they start to say weird things because they start to protect themselves. When I was working at the golf at the golf course when I was in high school, there was just two employees there. And it was just me and the, other, the guy that was in charge, and he would tell me exactly what to do. Well, one weekend he said to me, you can be in charge next weekend. You decide where the cups go on the greens. You decide where they should tee off from. You're in charge for the whole weekend. I thought, oh, this is going to be fabulous. I'm going to make this impossible for all of the golfers. They're going to hate me when they're done with me next weekend. Well, Friday, I get a phone call from the boss. And he just says, how you doing? I'm like, doing pretty good. Just plan going to work tomorrow. You got a game plan for the weekend. I'm not really just going to show up and kind of put the, the cups wherever. Well, you should have a game plan thing. I'm like, well, I'll think about it tonight and maybe put a little game plan together. Well, no, make sure you think about it tonight and put together a game plan. And I said, don't worry. I'll take care of it. It's fine. Show up the next morning, 6 o'clock, start my effort. About 6.15, a familiar truck pulls in the driveway. Who is it? It's the boss. What's wrong? Ugh, I just was a little afraid of what was going to happen today. I, I didn't know what would happen if I just left it to you. I didn't know if we'd have golfers that would be upset. I, I didn't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty good employee, so he's leaving it in pretty good hands. You see, but what had happened, though, is I had found out he had another employee that he had tried this with a couple of summers before. And we did it with those employees a couple of summers before. That employee decided to take the morning off and show up on Sunday morning and make it look like he was there for the whole weekend. So when the boss came back on Monday, everything was normal. So he was afraid. He, didn't, he thought something wasn't going to get done. He was afraid of what was going to actually happen at the course while he was gone. He was facing some uncertainty, but he also had a history of past failures. So what does he do? He pushes his vacation time back so he can come and check in at 6.15 that morning. I think all of us would agree, okay, that's a little bit odd. See, when we're afraid, we start to do weird stuff. We start to protect ourselves in weird ways. Fear usually freezes us from living freely. Fear usually freezes us from acting upon that which we should oftentimes act upon. Well, today in God's word from the book of Joshua, we see here God speaking to his servant and basically saying multiple times over and over, do not fear. Yet Joshua has a lot to be afraid of. Joshua has now been put in charge of the greatest nation. He's been put in charge of thousands of people, and he's following after Moses. Moses, who many of you are probably familiar with, one of the most famous people in the Bible, is responsible for the first five books of the Bible. Moses, who freed God's people from slavery. Moses, who received the Ten Commandments. Moses, who's been leading God's people for the last 40 years in the wilderness. Moses, the greatest leader Israel had known yet, has died. And Joshua has been put in charge. And has been put in charge at a pivotal point. Because now God's people are about to receive their inheritance. They're about to get the promise that they've been waiting for for hundreds of years. 
So here you have a man who's got an opportunity to lead God's people into the inheritance. But here you also have a man who's known for the last 40 years God's people have been pretty stubborn. Here you have a man who's experienced failure firsthand as he's watched God say to the people, I'm not going to let you enter the promised land. You're going to die in the wilderness. Here you have a man who's facing a lot of uncertainty because the land that they're about to take possession of is being possessed by another people group right now. The land is not just sitting there open, like, hey, claim it, and it's good to go. No, they have to overtake other nations, other countries, to take the land. And those who are in the land have a powerful military. How powerful do you think the Israel military is? They've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They've never really had a nation of their own. They have nothing. And now you're being told, go and conquer the greatest militaries? Joshua has a lot of reasons to fear. He's got a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unknown. And there's a lot at stake. While God speaks to Joshua, and this morning I think that we can learn about God's purposes by what God says to Joshua. We can maybe see ourselves in the story a little bit. But more than that, we can understand what God's overarching purpose is and then ask ourselves, am I living in that purpose? So if we look here in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua receives a basic command from God three times, but each of the three times, God kind of gives a little different reason behind it. So we're going to look at verse 6. Verse 6 is when it starts. Joshua's been put in charge, and now God's kind of given him some affirmation. He says in verse 6, be strong and courageous. Okay, why? For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. So the first thing that God says to Joshua is this. Hey, be strong and courageous. Look back at the promise that I've made to my people. This should ring familiar in your ears if you've been here this summer. This idea of promise. Every person we've talked about this summer has gone back to this idea of they should have faith because of the promise God has made. So God is saying to Joshua, hey, remember the promise? You and I as followers of Christ, this is where we have to go. We have to go back to the promise. The Bible is filled with this language of promise, of Jesus or God making a promise to his people. Jesus says to his followers in John chapter 14, it's almost read at every single funeral, I go before you to prepare a place for you. What's Jesus doing there with his followers? He's making a promise. He's saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's all about promises. Joshua's encouraged to look back at the promise. You and I have to continually look back at the promise of God. Do you understand what the promise of God is this morning? What God's promise is to you, that you will inherit a new kingdom, the resurrection of our bodies and life everlasting in the presence of God. Joshua had to be reminded, hey, remember the promise. Do not be afraid. God has promised something. So first is, remember the promise. But then God goes on and says it again, verse 7. He says, only be strong and very courageous. Okay, same command, but now he kind of gives a different way of now how to go about it. Verse 7, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left 
that you may have good success wherever you go. So now God is saying, be strong and courageous. And as you're trying to be strong and courageous, it begins by what? Meditating upon God's law. If, if we are going to be people who are strong and courageous, we've got to look back at God's promise, and we also have to be anchored in something. We've got to have a strong foundation. And God is saying that strong foundation is his law. Meditation is something that's pretty much foreign to the majority of us. Meditation is something a lot of us think of as different religions where people just kind of sit down and cross their arms and go like this for a little while. Well, the word meditate here actually in the Old Testament is similar to the word mumble. So when God says meditate upon my law, he's really just saying just mumble the law to yourself over and over again. Have you ever had that situation where you, you kind of mumble something under your breath and someone goes, what are you mumbling about? Or maybe you've said that to your child. You know, we know what mumbling is. We actually mumble quite a bit throughout the day. We hum or we mumble. If you're musical, you hum. If you're like me, you mumble. What you're doing is you're basically saying things to yourself continually and constantly. God is saying here, hey, Joshua, you've got to continually mumble my law. You, you've just got to sit there and, and say it to yourself over and over again so it becomes part of you. Meditation is not sitting there going, speak, speak, someone speak, silence for 45 minutes. Meditation is taking God's word, the revelation of who God is, and continually speaking it to ourselves, and then allowing God's spirit to bring up application of that in our lives. We believe that God has already spoken in his word, and he's given everything we need in his word. Now his spirit takes that word and applies it to us when we meditate upon the word. Everybody here this morning is anchored to something. This is a, a crazy lie that's going around in our culture right now, right? I mean, everybody hates God's word. Everybody hates the law of God because it's old-fashioned and it's, and it's stingy and it's unfun, all of that. So everybody is opposed to the law of God. Even the majority of churches are opposed to the law of God. Because why? The moment we speak law, there's going to be conflict and people are going to be uncomfortable. So therefore, if we make generalized statements like, God loves you, you're forgiven in Christ, we're good to go. Well, forgiven from what? I only know what I'm forgiven from if I know the law. The law tells me what I need to be forgiven of. So we've got this issue with people despise the law, and other people are running around saying, ah, oh, just do whatever you want. We're a society of, to whatever is good for you is good for you. Yet, in the midst of all of that, there is no one who's lawless. Everyone has their own law. I have not met a single person that says this, do whatever you want. They say that until what? What you do affects them or what you do offends them. The moment you do something that affects them or offends them, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that's not right. Well, you just said, I can do whatever's best for me. So your law is do whatever's works for you but also works for me and fits in my box of understanding what is kind and loving. I don't know anyone who's lawless. Everybody has a law that they follow. The law is either a love defined by them or the love is just this really strict little, little rules here and there, wear this, do that. You've got extremes in all directions, but everyone has a law. God's word is saying to us today, 
that we need to meditate, meditate upon the law of God. We need to mumble God's ways to ourselves. In Psalm 119 that we read earlier in the service, this is an amazing psalm. Here the psalmist is crying out and he says basically, God, I love your commandments for I find delight in fulfilling them. And then the psalmist is basically saying, I find life in your law. Here's someone that's saying they enjoy obedience. They enjoy listening to the commands of God and following them. This is someone who's inspired by God to write it. Do you think that that inspiration just stopped when the New Testament came along? That Psalm 119 is just no longer true when Jesus came? That we're no longer supposed to find delight in the commandments of God? Maybe we forgot what Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. As he's about to give all of these commandments, what does he say? I have not come to abolish the law, but I have come to fulfill the law. And then he gives a very firm warning to anyone who lowers the law just one iota. The law is still relevant to us today. God's design for creation is still real for us today. So now the question becomes, okay, what part of the law do we mumble? I mean, if you've read Leviticus, Genesis, and Exodus lately, there's a lot there. I mean, if you're going to start mumbling Leviticus to yourself all day long, you're going to have some interesting conversation with the people around you. So, so what do we do with the law? I mean, I, I get this question all the time. Aren't you just taking some things from the Old Testament and then you're leaving others behind? Well, one way to think of it is this. The law that we should meditate upon is the law that Jesus affirms and teaches himself. And then the law that Jesus fulfills and completes is done. So, for example, there's a lot in the Old Testament about the sacrificial system. And there's a lot of law about how the sacrifices have to be operated, when and how it's all done. Well, when you read the New Testament, you come to understand that Jesus has completely fulfilled that part of the law. It's, it's done. In other words, what he's done is he is now the new sacrificial system. He's completed all of that work. So when you read the book of Hebrews, you find out that we're not supposed to offer new sacrifices because the new sacrifice has been offered in Jesus Christ. So again, we got to look at what has Jesus completed and what has Jesus affirmed and continued to teach to his followers. The Sermon on the Mount is a great spot to start. Jesus just lays out his commandments, his desires for his people. We should take those commandments and speak them to ourselves and then continue on with what do the apostles teach? The apostles are just continuing the teaching of Jesus. What do they teach us? We should mumble them to ourselves. We should find delight in the law of the Lord. we got to be anchored to something. The question is, are we going to be anchored to the law of the Lord? Remember the promise of God. Anchor ourselves to God's way or to God's law. And then thirdly, look with me if you would at verse 9. Verse 9, he says basically the same thing again. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Now we get the reason. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In other words, fear should not be present in our lives because the presence of the Lord is with us. God is saying to Joshua, hey, why are you afraid? I'm going with you into the promised land. The presence of the Lord should give us strength. And this isn't God just speaking to one person at one moment in history. Fast forward, see the consistency in the New Testament. Jesus 
speaking to his followers right before he ascends into heaven. He gives them the great commission, says, go and make disciples. And what does he say? The final phrase, lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, the promise is consistent. The promise of God's presence is not just for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, but is for God's people in the New Testament as well. So today, when we face uncertainty, today, when we face the unknown, and we've got memories of past failure, God would say to us, look back at the promise. The promise that you are forgiven in Christ, the promise of the resurrection. God would say to us today, hey, anchor yourself in God's ways. And God would say to us, I'm with you, right alongside of you, through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But let's have a moment of honesty this morning. This sounds really good in church. I don't see anyone disagreeing with me this morning. And I don't see anyone walking out this morning saying, that's ridiculous what you're saying. Pretty much everyone agrees, and is for the most part, that's right, Pastor. We've just we got to remember the promise. We've got to anchor ourselves in God's way, and we've got to know that the presence of the Lord is with us. I mean, that sounds great. It's an easy three-point sermon right here in Joshua. But we all know the reality. The reality is this. The promises of God appear to be false oftentimes in our lives. The reality is this. The ways of God seem to be outdated and very narrow. And then finally, oftentimes we can't feel the presence of God. So how can I possibly be strong and courageous when the promises seem false, when God's ways seem outdated and narrow? And how can I be strong and courageous when I don't even feel the presence of God? I'm assuming for just a moment this morning that that's where the majority of us are a majority of the time, in one of those three spots. Doubting the promise of God, questioning God's ways, or not feeling the presence of God. So what should we do? We know these truths. We would celebrate these truths this morning, but it doesn't match our reality. I just want to take a few moments this morning and, and try and provide maybe some practical direction for us, because that's real life for us. And this just happens to line up this way. This was not planned, and this is not just a recruitment for the church thing. But those three struggles of the promise not feeling real, God's ways narrow and outdated, and the presence not felt at all, are fought against with one big thing. And that one big thing is this, relationship slash community. What I mean by that is this. If we try to go it alone, we cannot do it because at times in all of our lives, there's going to be those times where we doubt the promise. We can't go it alone because the voices are constantly against the law of God. We can't go it alone because our feelings aren't always going to match the truth of God's word. That's why we need other people in our lives that when we're going through those down times, we've got them to carry us through. So many go through the down times with no one to carry them through that they never come out of the down times. Or they think they're going through the down times with other people. But in reality, they're not even talking to the other people about these down times. They continue to talk about the weather and the Vikings and the Packers and all of that stuff. All of that stuff doesn't help us be strong and courageous. So this morning, if you find yourself saying, yes, 
be strong and courageous. I want to remember the promise. I want to anchor myself in God's ways. I want to experience the presence of God. If you find yourself saying yes to that, but yet you also find yourself in reality. This morning, you need community. You need people who are in your life continually to help along the way. I'll be very blunt. If you're going it alone, or you think you can go it alone, you're sinning. None of the original 12 could even go alone. You're actually sinning because God's word says to us, confess your sins to one another. And if you're going alone, you're not confessing your sins to anyone. We've got a great opportunity before us. An opportunity to be strong and courageous. Who wants to be fearful? Who wants to face uncertainty and then have anxiety? But we can face uncertainty, we can face the unknown, and be strong and courageous because we have God's promise. We have God's law, and we have the presence of God alongside of us. Today, let's stand together in relationship so that we can be strong and courageous together. Finally, what we feel is not always reality. Feelings have been elevated to the top of the list. This morning, I don't know what you're feeling today. I acknowledge that those feelings are real, but those feelings may not necessarily be what's true about God. For example, I had to visit the dentist recently. Visited the dentist, and the dentist asked, how are things go? I said, magnificent, give me a clean report, let's go home. By the end of the day, guess what? I need to see you back in a couple of weeks. We got some cavity work we have to do down here. I, I went in thinking, hey, finally, one time or I'm not going to have to come back. Thing. Now I got to go back. Doesn't feel like I got a cavity, but guess what? The truth of the matter is, I have a cavity. Our feelings don't always match what's true. This morning, you may not feel the presence of God. And it's not much I can say. All I can say is repeat the promise that God says he will be with you and go alongside of you. And all I can do is encourage you to step alongside someone else so that they can help speak to you and encourage you so that at some point you can feel it. But feelings always come later after the revelation of truth. Joshua had a great opportunity before him. An opportunity to do that which none of the great leaders had yet known before him, to enter into the promised land. I'd encourage you to read the rest of the book of Joshua and see what happens. There's some amazing stuff in there, some crazy stuff in there as well. But watch the promised land be conquered because someone was strong and courageous. Today, I hope that you get to experience the promised land because you are strong and courageous. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for your promise. Thank you for the promise of the resurrection and the eternal kingdom. God, I ask that now you would burn that promise in our hearts and in our minds. God, thank you for your word. I ask that now, God, you would give us a hunger and a desire to meditate upon your word. God, make us mumblers of your truth. Lord, I ask now that you would make us aware of your presence. I pray for anyone in this room this morning that's not sensing your presence in their life. God, I pray that you would enable them to sense your presence 
God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you have done on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen.